the Italian stallion Tommy DeVito or Tommy Cold or Tommy Cutlets as people are calling him online. Yo, 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 what is going on? Welcome to Net Worth with Justin Pugh. We are excited for the episode this week. It's a nice week. We got a win as well. So it's a little more smiles going on in the podcast today. Smiles because we got 36 new subscribers to the Net Worth family. We're over 400. We got 407. So we are in that sub 100 new subscriber goal range to get us to 500. So please share this. Like, comment, get someone else to subscribe. If we have everyone who's listening, subscribe this week. We will reach our goal. And then once we get over 500, we're going to do another giveaway. And speaking of giveaways, I need everyone. I know that there was a few that were still missing addresses on for the shirt. So please get that to us. So we can get those shirts out. All right, let's get right into it. What is happening? On some sad news, Syracuse alumni, the Syracuse football program has fired head coach Dino Babers. Coach Babers was there for eight seasons, was 41 and 55 this past year. He was five and six, one and six in conference play. Um, I've got to know Coach Babers throughout my time, you know, with the program. Obviously, I wasn't playing there when he was there, but he took over, you know, the last eight years. He's, he's done an unbelievable job. He's brought in some, you know, super exciting times. We were talking about Syracuse football and the national media again. Obviously, the program as, as I want to say falling on hard times. It's not what happened. It's just that we're in a limbo where we kind of had the same things happening every year. We're having some injuries. And that's not all Coach Baber's fault. It's not his fault at all. We had some injuries. We had the NIL space, which came and completely flipped college football upside down. And it's hard working through that. What I will say is as a man, as a father, as a coach, Coach Babers did everything the right way. I had a lot of one-on-one conversations with Coach, and he was an unbelievable man, father. I played with his son-in-law in Arizona. I knew his, I knew his family. Um, so I wish him nothing but the best, but all the conversations that we had, he had things going in the right direction. I think NIL has really changed the landscape of college football and the universities are still trying to figure that out. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing where coach Babers lands next. He's a great coach. I know he'll land on his feet. And then obviously as still a supporter of Syracuse football, seeing where the head coaching search goes from here. I know a lot of people are talking about finding a local coach, someone that has ties or played at the university, um, some Northeast ties. I remember when Doug Marone came in, he had all those Northeast ties. Not saying that Coach Marone's going to come back to, to Syracuse. I'm just saying that type of profile of having those ties in the area. Now, the NIL space is still a major contributor. I think Matt Rule came out and kind of took a subtle subtle shot at Syracuse University, which I didn't appreciate. Um, I, I know Nebraska has a rich history as well, but to kind of take shots at other schools because they want to interview your coach, it seemed like he was going at Syracuse. I don't know 100%, but come on, Matt Rule. What, what are we doing here? Um, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing who we interview, what the candidates are out there, but the NIL space is going to play a major part of that. And that goes back to the alumni. 
So as an alumni myself of the university, I am challenging all of us to step up our game, to be there to support the players, support the program. I know I have to do a better job, but there are so many great players that have played at the university that we need to come together and, and, and really band to support this next coach and give them that support, give the, the athletic director, John Wildhack, the support that he needs and really invest in our university. So that is that, obviously, not the best news to start. And next thing we're going to talk about that someone actually sent me a little blurb on this was tanking for players in the draft. It's been spurred on by a lot of Twitter talks. Uh, Mike G left a comment on my YouTube saying, I hate people saying players tank or we should tank. I can't root for my team to lose. Yes, our pick is better, but I just can't root for my team to lose a game. I'd rather fight, like you said, and show heart and battle. I mean... Coming from Arizona, which everyone was saying they were tanking, coming to New York, I don't think there was ever a point in this season where that's crossed anyone's mind in the building. Every player, I go out there every day. It's not like Joe Shane or, or, or Coach Dayball has come to me and said, hey, we want you to not block as well this game because we're trying to get a better draft pick. That just doesn't happen in the NFL. The DNA of the guys in the locker room is to win the game, to go out there and fight and compete. Now, teams have confidence issues where you start losing games and, and things start to dwindle on that aspect. It's easy for fans to say, hey, just keep losing games so we can get a better pick. But you got to realize that there's guys' families involved, guys' livelihoods involved. We are going to fight until the end, regardless of what anyone else around us wants. That is just definitely a stone-cold fact. So if a team is tanking, the way they would do it is just not have the talent you need on the field. Clearly, around the NFL. I think that the Sixers may have been the most prime example of that in a different sport in the NBA where, you know, they they didn't maybe put the best talent on the floor to get better draft picks. And you even see how that has transpired. A few of those guys like Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz never even end up playing for the franchise. So even trying to tank doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get this player. Everyone thinks draft picks are these superstars and then all of a sudden they get to the NFL and it's harder on them. So just be very weary of, of the, the tanking or trusting the process because it doesn't always go how you think it will. Next up, something that I felt like I had to defend, I again saw on Twitter today that MetLife Stadium was ranked the worst stadium in the NFL. And I really want to know the criteria of this as well. I know there's people just throwing this out there all willy-nilly. 85 players in the NFL voted on this. I saw that the Kansas City Chiefs had the number one ranked stadium, which I've played in, and I wouldn't rank it in my top 10. Um, so I'm going to give you guys my perspective on the stadiums and maybe why some of these rankings came out the way they are. Um, so we'll start with with the good, and then we'll we'll circle back on what was said about MetLife and I and some of the other stadiums in there. So first, the my, one of my favorite away stadiums as a player, and the reason why I say as a player, I'm looking at it from a perspective of the away locker room, hot tubs, training room, locker space, the quality of the turf, how we interact in the stadium, uh, you know, in terms of where the fans are located, how we interact with those fans. Um, so some, a couple of my favorite places to play. Seattle is an unbelievable environment based on the fans. It's super loud. It feels like a college environment. So I love it for that reason. Then you go to Dallas, which has one of the best away locker rooms, a ton of space. Um, the training room is great. You have ample room to move around. 
Um, another one is the Viking Stadium, which was on this list, is one of the best. They do a great job as well. Uh, I think Arizona Cardinal Stadium is unbelievable. I love the turf they played on. Don't ask any of the Eagles players about that, but the turf and playing on grass, I, I feel like it's better on. My knees feel better the next day. Conversely, this is why I think a lot of people voted for MetLife as one of the worst is because we share the stadium with the Jets. We have to be able to manipulate the stadium to be Jets one week, Giants the next week. There was a few people that got injured at MetLife Stadium a few years ago, and I feel like that has lingered in the minds of athletes. And we're creatures of habit. If we hear someone say it, for whatever reason, we'll just say the same thing. We just repeat the exact same thing because we heard another veteran player say it in the locker room. I know a lot of people are huge proponents of getting grass turf in all of the fields. Obviously, I want the safest turf possible for players, but I just don't know if it makes sense in some of these places like in New York or New England where it's super cold, the weather's inclement to have the turf. I know Philadelphia deals with it and it gets beat up throughout the year. I don't know the safety remedies for that. So maybe we get David Bakhtiari on here to talk about the, the, the field turf. I love MetLife Stadium. I've had a great experience. There's a bathroom right by the bench. So in the middle of the game, you got to go to the bathroom. You can go there. A lot of places you got players going to the bathroom on the sidelines. Um, the, the fan experience is, is unbelievable. Now, the one thing I will mention is I think some of the things I like about, like I mentioned, Dallas is a great locker room and so does the Vikings. I think every stadium should have a certain standard that an away team can expect. We're getting ready to play an NFL game. We want to put our best foot forward. The product that we put on the field on Sundays is what people are paying to watch. So you go to a place like New Orleans where we've had to use kiddie pools as hot tubs before the game to get warmed up. That's unacceptable. There should be a certain square footage. There should be a certain look back to this past weekend. We were, at the, we were playing the Commanders. We didn't have hot water post-game. So things like that. Is there has to be a standard in the NFL that away teams provide for for the visiting opponent. Now I get you don't want to make things all rosy, rosy and, and and perfect for the away team, but there should be a standard so then your team receives that same care on the road. So it's a little bit of give and take. So I think it was unfair MetLife's ranking. Um, playing in New York City is one of the best places to play. The atmosphere is electric there. Coming to play a primetime game at MetLife is is a dream come true for folks. I think there's a little bit of whisper down the lane, like all oh, the turf, this, that, and the third. And I know we've changed the turf out. I've played on it for six years without having any issues. So I, I think that's where it comes from a little bit, but I would love to see more of those rankings as we go. So if you guys saw the news today, former All-Pro and Pro Bowl linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts, Shaq Leonard was waived. Field Yates on Twitter said, if a team were to claim Shaq Leonard off waivers, they would owe him $6.1 million for the remainder of the season. He's also under contract for three more years, $16 million, $19 million, $19.6. So I want to kind of show you guys what it would like and what happens when a player is released. Obviously, um, Shaq Leonard had some injuries. And Zaire Franklin came in and played unbelievable at linebacker and EJ Speed, the other linebacker that they have. Shout out to Zaire, Syracuse guy, tackle machine, played special teams, worked his way up, is a leader, is a captain, has the green dot on his helmet. And unfortunately, that's where Shaq Leonard's position was. And the Colts are realizing they're going to have to break off my guy Zaire. And it just became a little a little tricky within the organization. Obviously, Shaq Leonard still has some gas left in the tank. He wants to go prove it. He asked for his release. The nature of the business took over. I'm sure those guys are great friends, 
but it's a dog-eat-dog world. And I don't think Shaq was just going to give his money to, to any of the players in the defense. So now he wants to go prove that he's worth it elsewhere. So when you look at his contract, I just pulled it up online, which is crazy that we can pull it up. He signed a five-year, and this is on um, Spot Track, which is kind of where I go for all my contract news and to see what's happening. Shaq Leonard signed a five-year, $98.5 million Colts, $20 million signing bonus, $52 million guaranteed, annual salary, 19.7. He'll earn a base salary, cap hits, blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on. Basically, what happens when they waived him this year, they effectively are giving him a three-year, $46.7 million signing bonus, and then they will have a dead cap hit next year of $8 million. Now, look, this, this could be slightly different. I may be interpreting this slightly different, and if I'm wrong, correct me so we can get it right. But what happens here is they have to pay out the remainder of his salary. He'll most likely clear waivers. The Colts will be on the hook for the rest of his salary this year, and then he will have a dead cap hit space. What that means is salary or salary signing bonus is prorated over the life of the contract. So if you look at it, he signed a five-year deal, $20 million signing bonus. So over those years, he had $4 million every year counts against his cap plus whatever other guarantees he has. So since his guarantees will be up after this season and the signing bonus only has two more years left with $4 million. That's where the $8 million cap hit is. So next year, Shaq Leonard will count $8 million against the cap for the Colts, unless a team, I think, picks him up in waivers, which they most likely won't because he'll have, you know, he has some baggage for $6 million. Teams don't really have that money laying around. They're using that for their roster this year. Um, so that's kind of how that breaks down. It's an interesting scenario. It's the business of football. It's what I live for. It's what I, you know, the reason why it's so interesting to me. So if there's any other news about this that I'm missing or I'm not doing exactly right, feel free to, to comment below. Let's make sure we have the the, the proper insight there. Um, I wonder where he's going to end up. I think there's some, some linebacker needy teams out there that are making a playoff push, may have had an injury. You look in our own conference, you look at a team like the Dallas Cowboys who had Van Der Esch go down. You look at the Eagles who have had some injuries and linebackers leaving free agency. Probably two teams that are going to be reaching out to Shaq Leonard. Um, he's an unbelievable player, so hopefully he lands on his feet and gets that deal he's looking for. The last piece, piece I am going to touch on is Tom Brady and his clip talking about the NFL being more mediocre than ever. I think there's a lot of mediocrity in today's NFL. Yeah. I don't see the excellence that I saw in the past. Why not? And Why not? I think the coaching isn't as, as good as it was. I don't think the development of young players is as good as it was. The rules have allowed a lot of bad habits to get into the actual performance of the game. Mm -hmm. So I just think the product, in my opinion, is less than what it's been. I think I look at a lot of players like Ray Lewis and Rodney Harrison and Ronnie Lott and guys that impacted the game in, in a certain way, and every hit they would have made would have been a penalty. Mm. You hear coaches complaining about their own player being tackled and not necessarily, why don't they talk to their player about how to protect himself? We used to work on the fundamentals of those things all the time. Now they're trying to be regulated all the time. Offensive players need to protect themselves. It's not up to the defensive player to protect the offensive player. A defensive player needs to protect himself. I didn't throw the ball to certain areas because I was afraid players were going to get knocked out. Tom Brady's the GOAT. If Tom Brady's saying it, we better buy in. And the reason why I say that is because he's seen the evolution of the game. He played in the early days and he just recently retired. He's seen how this game has evolved. I will agree and disagree with certain components of it. 
development of young players. I think a lot of times we are so quick in this day and age in social media to give up on players that there is an opportunity for them to develop. Confidence becomes a major issue with a lot of those guys. The coaching isn't as good. I don't necessarily agree with that one. I think that the coaching has gotten tremendously advanced throughout the years with technology. You look at some of the guys like Mike McDaniels in, in Miami, Coach Dayball up here with the Giants, like how we use shifts and motions that were never used in the game before. So I don't necessarily agree with that one, but I realize what he's saying. If we keep calling penalties on defensive players and finding them, it makes offensive players to a point think that they can't be touched when they're playing football. Tom Brady had to make a conscious effort to not get his guys hit. If you can just throw a ball across the middle and a guy like a Ray Lewis can, can't hit you, what does that do to the game? So I think we have to be very cautious as we go forward with the NFL. It is the most popular sport in North America, in the U.S., North America. Sorry if that's not 100% accurate. Um, but we do not want to get to a point where this becomes a flag football. People tune in for the carnage. People tune in for the violence. And that's what Tom Brady's referring to. He realizes the business of football. And there's a fine line that we have to walk between player safety, like I've mentioned before. I'm a huge proponent of it. And the violence of the game, which is what people tune in for. And that's something that we're going to continue to monitor, continue to see. But obviously, if the GOAT says it, we have to, we have to talk about it. Next up, we have our shout outs and a little bit of Q&A. We're going to add in some questions that people are asking. I got some 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 negative comments. We'll, we'll dive into that here. But first, I got to give a little couch crew shout out. Joe Flacco signing with the with the Browns. I know the, the Ravens fans are up in arms right now. Their Super Bowl hero, their Super Bowl king is going to the Cleveland Browns. He's obviously going to bring a lot of that playoff experience. And, and I saw that their quarterback won. He was a rookie this week and was emotional. So shout out to, to, to him and shout out to Joe Flacco straight off the couch. Another straight off the couch shout out I have to give is to Jason Peters. 41 years old, making his first start for the Seattle Seahawks. Watch the film. He's sliding over from left tackle to right tackle, which is not easy to do, and played lights out against the commanders. We watched that film leading up to the game, and Peters is back. Peters is playing great. All right, we also want to give a shout-out. These aren't NFL players anymore, but subscribers, just as important, subscribers and people that are listening to the show. The first one, I want to give a shout-out to Matt Elmer, who said, at Net Worth Show, longtime Giants fan listening from Surrey in the UK. Although I work in Margate, check that out on a map. I know where that is. I've seen the Peaky Blinders. Shared the Net Worth love with my fellow Giant in Canada. Northern Adam one straight off the couch. So I appreciate it, Matt. You are one of the, the, the followers and subscribers that are helping us out. Keep doing God's work. We appreciate it. The next one, we have someone saying, Suleiman Khan 5014. What do you mean by not wearing the right socks in referencing to the clip of last week when I talked about the Cowboys player who kicked me? So the NFL has a looking for the right word. They have a uniform standard. Everyone has to look a certain way. So your socks, so you have to have a, the long socks that have two colors. So it'll be like for the Cowboys, blue and white, and it has to come all the way up past the knee. You can't have any skin showing, maybe like a little bit of your kneecap from where the pant and the sock meets or else it's a fine. So as you saw in that clip, the Cowboys player only had just a white sock halfway up and the rest of his calf was exposed. So if you have any skin exposed, the league can technically fine you. Maybe we should have an episode where we go through the, the proper um, 
outfits for the players and what guys get fined for and the numbers amount. So if you guys are interested in that, comment below. And then there's a lot of disagreement on my comments where I said you support the team that you play in. Support the team in the city that you live in or you play for. Most people don't love that. Here's one of the comments from YouTube. If I move somewhere, I'd be getting packages so I could watch the Giants and Rangers and Yankees. I've never lived anywhere else, but if I did move, I'd still be a fan of those teams. Maybe in time, I'll half root for the team from the city I live in, unless it's Philly, Dallas, or Washington. I understand that. I mean, my second favorite team is the Steelers, but I don't care if they lose as much. The Roonies, it's just a Rooney and Mara thing. So I think maybe I went a little bit overboard with this statement because now that I'm seeing responses from folks and <laughs> hearing some of the, the disagreement, if your dad was a Giants fan and your grandfather was a Giants fan and your grandfather's father was a Giants fan, it would make sense that you would also be a Giants fan regardless of where you live. I guess it really all came about when I was in Arizona and the fan base there was very diverse where we would have Chicago Bears fans, Green Bay Packers fans. And I still feel that same way. If you are if you are in a city, you should also support the team that's local, maybe unless, unless it's an arch rival or you have to move for work. But I guess I kind of see it through my lens where as an athlete, if I come into a city, maybe I should be embracing that city. So let me know what you guys are thinking. I, I might've been a little overboard but I and I see where you're coming from, so I am backpedaling. I, I do acknowledge that I say some ridiculous things sometimes, but from my perspective, if uh, an athlete comes in, maybe it's the athletes that need to be a buy-in to the fans and support the fans that they're they're a member of. Here's the last piece that we have. Someone asks, "Who is the most famous person that's in your comments?" And it takes me back to a time when I went on part in my take with Big Cat and PFT commenter and Marshall Newhouse. And they asked me, hey, Justin, who's the most famous person you have in your phone? And I said, Odell Beckham or Eli Manning. They said, well, will you call them right now? And I had to give Eli Manning a call because I didn't want to embarrass myself on PFT. And we talked through a few things. I don't even remember what was said, but who's the most famous person in my comments? Well, on Net Worth Show, we had Michael Phelps and JJ Watt commenting. Um, so let me know who's the most famous person you guys have had interactions with on, on social media or in real life. Comment below. Let's get to it. Without further ado, we introduce our puny badger of the week. <gasps> and there was no way I couldn't give it to this guy. New York giant quarterback, New Jersey local. The Italian stallion Tommy DeVito, or Tommy Cold, or Tommy Cutlets, as people are calling him online, um, undrafted free agent from Illinois, played at Syracuse as well. So, as an orange man like myself, stepped into the starting lineup this week. He's obviously played the previous few weeks. He lives at home. His mom makes his bed. He gets all the chicken cutlets he could ever ask for at home. And he came in this week and threw three touchdowns. Had a quarterback rating that was through the roof. Um, led us to victory in Washington alongside the defense. So Tommy DeVito, you are the puny badger of the week. We'll see you at O-line dinner on Thursday. We might have to make him buy this week as a, as a reward for playing so well, <gasps> which leads us right into our reaction of Giants commanders this past weekend. Um, bittersweet for myself. Didn't have the best game ever. The offensive line, we didn't play our best game. Um, we won the game, which is unbelievable. We've beaten the Commanders the last two times we've played. And to get a, 
a little vitamin W, vitamin win the game, like Coach Dayball tells us all the time, feels good. Morale has risen. Our defense had six turnovers, with, including special teams. They carry the team. We could have done a whole lot better. And I'm just going to focus on myself primarily. Started the game, had a, had a bad play against Jonathan Allen, who is an unbelievable player in his own right. And it was a boomer bust type of game. We were hitting home run plays, 20-yard shot plays down the field, or we were having negative runs and sacks. What we have to do is continue to have those explosive plays but limit the negatives. It seems obvious. Um, and as an offensive line, we have to do a better job of communicating. What I will say is you don't always have a great day at the office. Those guys are getting paid across the ball from you as well. They did their job on Sunday, the commander's defensive line. We will continue to improve. What I was happy with was the way we fought, the resiliency in which we fought. I told you guys I was going to get beat at some point during the season, and I have throughout the year. But it's how you respond from that adversity. And we kept fighting. We kept grinding. We hit some runs in the second half that we weren't able to. We just kept getting behind the, the chains in the first half. And we found a way to win. And that is all that matters. No one will ask how we got the win two, three years down the road. They will just see that we won the game. And that is all that matters. Which the morale will carry us into this week. Week 12, we are playing the Patriots at home. Looking forward to get back in MetLife Stadium. We've been away for the last three weeks. I don't know if you guys see. I'm constantly turning around on the way game so we can do the silent cadence. Looking forward to, to being at home and using the traditional cadence uh, and having our fans there to support us. The Patriots are a great team. We're diving into them today. It's, uh, you know, obviously they're not having the year they're looking for either. And Belichick is one of the best coaches in the, in the NFL. They always have a great defense. We are going to have our work cut out for us. They'll have some type of game plan pressures and things of that nature installed. They had a bye week to prepare for us. So we are gearing up for a battle on Sunday at MetLife. So be there, be loud. I'm excited. My wife's coming to town this week, so we'll she'll be at the game. So hopefully she brings that good luck. All right, lastly, let's just wrap this thing up, put a nice little bow on it, send you guys about your way to enjoy your Wednesday. We're almost at 500 subscribers. This is a big week. We only need 94 more people. If everyone who watches this episode shares it, this, this exact episode shares this one right here with a friend, gets them to subscribe. We are golding. We'll hit our goal. I won't talk about it again until we get to our next goal. So help me out there. Go subscribe. Do whatever it takes. Be a part of the Net Worth Army. Get this thing done. I'll leave you with this. Be nice to everyone out there. Treat everyone how you want to be treated. It goes a long way. Smile, hold the door, say thank you. Do something to impact someone's life in a positive manner. I appreciate you guys tuning in to Net Worth. It was an unbelievable episode today, and we will see you next week. I'm really him. Don't believe me? Come and see me. Got three wishes from my genie. Now I'm on your local TV. Y'all on Droga. Say she wanna come and see me when I'm in a local city. I'm like, pause though. Please step aside so they can see me and I... Walk up in this light. Yeah, I'm really him. Talking my shit light. Turn really him on God. Walk up in this light. Yeah, I'm really him.